Hello, welcome back to the Court Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McInnes, and today we welcome former Rainbow Wahine basketball standout and active hoops pro, Sarah Toyina. Toe, as she went by for most of her UH playing days spanning 2014-18, is angling to edge her way up the overseas game with an eventual goal of taking her shot at the WNBA. She got off to a good start in her rookie pro year, taking MVP honors in a smaller league in Great Britain. Competition in Sweden represented a step up this past season before COVID shut everything down, and she's already found another league for next season. Her story at UH is one of continual improvement, an understudy freshman year, a complimentary role on the NCAA tournament team of 2016, then two first-team All-Big West seasons in which she was looked at to do pretty much everything. She left as a number nine scorer in program history at 1,204 points, and with her physical slashing game, was one of the most prolific free-throw shooters as well. Please welcome Sarah Toina, the first former Wahine player to come on the pod. Sarah, welcome to the Court Sense Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I understand you are actually here back in Hawaii. Um, for the last several days, You now there is the two-week quarantine mandatory that the state put in. How has it been for you just uh, passing the time You know these last several days? Um, it's definitely been different. My original plan was to fly to Kauai and quarantine there with my grandparents and visit my mom's side of the family. But um, some plans changed, came to Oahu, and um, I had an exemption to attend my uncle's funeral. So I, I got to leave my place for his service, and then I came straight back. So um, it felt like I was like breaking out of prison, and I finally got to see the outside world again. But uh, it's, it's definitely a different experience being in quarantine. Uh, did that, I mean, getting out for any reason, did that help sanity-wise? Did you feel yourself going a little crazy? Yeah, definitely. I don't know how someone can stay, like, full two weeks by themselves. Um, like, luckily, I had Taylor Donahue, who I'm staying with, uh, here to, like, have a different voice in my head rather than just over technology. But um, definitely have to be creative to keep yourself busy and sane inside. What's what's the most creative thing you've done to keep yourself busy, you think? Um, I've tried some different at-home workouts. I have um, watched some shows I probably would have never watched unless I was that bored. And um, I've actually been able to, like, call a lot of my old friends up and connect, say hello, and just touch bases with some people. Uh, and what would have been the, the weirdest show that you don't think you would have ever normally watched that you watched? There's a, there's a show called Love Island, and it's like, um, it's based in the United Kingdom. And so I started watching it because I was like, hey, I was there for a season. And it's like this love dating show, which is a show like I've, I've never really watched dating shows. Uh -huh. I, I'm not too into the Bachelor and Bachelorette stuff. But like I, I played it and I was like, oh, this is different. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, Sarah, you are coming off, like I said, your second pro season. This one you spent in Sweden, right? Uh, with, yes. with a totally different team, totally different league from your first year, as you said, was in, in Great Britain. 
Um, this one got canceled prematurely, right? Because of COVID. Yeah. Um, I remember we had one game left of our regular season and um, I was at lunch with some of my teammates and we were kind of just thinking of the possibility of playing with no fans or um, playing the game as usual. Or we were like, what if our season gets canceled? So um, I believe like really no one's been in that position before. So none of us knew what was gonna happen. We didn't know what to expect. So we just went to practice that night and we just hoped we had a game that Sunday, but uh, this canceled right before. That's that's too bad. And obviously all the playoffs that would have gone with it, right? Yeah, yeah. Those um, Our last two games were kind of big, too, on how we were trying to position ourselves for playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so um, strategically playing those games like that and then coming up short that we couldn't play in the playoffs, it, it really felt it felt weird and it just felt um, unfinished is a good word. All right, all right. What did you um, – what was that season for you like personally compared to, you know, you were the MVP, your first rookie pro season in that uh, – Women's British Basketball League. Um, what was your role different the, with this? Was it a step up in terms of quality of league? Um, I believe so. I think it was a a little bit more competitive, and um, professionally, they kind of having playing me playing more of the small forward position, and sometimes I was guarding girls that were like six five or like close to seven feet, and so it definitely made my defensive game change as well. And so um, in the Swedish league, there's a lot of uh, ex-WNBA players who are either from Sweden or just had a really good Swedish connection. And to be able to play against them and um, just kind of see where you match up and learn from their game and how they can pick some stuff up like that, um, I I really enjoy to do that. And uh, just watching kind of the different style of play in Sweden Mm -hmm. compared to Great Britain. and I'm going to say, like, half the time, I did not know what anybody was saying. The fans would be yelling stuff out on the court, and I wasn't sure if it was a good thing or if it's a bad thing. It, most of the time, it's in Swedish. So I wasn't sure if they're yelling at me to pass the ball to their daughter or um, I don't know. But I all I know is I was just going to do whatever my coach said. <laughs> so The coach was talking to the team in, in what, English half the time, Swedish yeah. half the time? Uh, majority of the practice, they would probably talk in Swedish. And unless it was towards me or other American or for like the whole team in general, then it was in English. So I kind of had to read their body language and see how um, they would talk to the Swedish girls and kind of reenact a move or show them what to do. Then I was like, okay, now I know what to do. Um, can, you, can you pronounce the, the team name for me? I'm not even going to try. It's Sorotelia. Sorateria. Yes. And um, we would always uh, pronounce or cheer just Telia. So that's how I kind of figured it out. Just <laughs> hearing everyone else say it. And how were they at pronouncing your last name? Like anyone there? <laughs> um, they, they tried their best, but with their Swedish accent on top of it, it was definitely a different pronunciation than what I've heard in Hawaii and in Washington. <laughs> Or even London? Yeah, in London, yeah. I feel like the accent just makes it sound so foreign. And sometimes I don't even recognize it myself. Nice. Like, you know, away from the court, I mean, 
were you able to enjoy yourself like in London, um, obviously is a very metropolitan city. Um, and then it was Sweden different, like the language barrier, was that a thing when you would like try to, you know, go grab food or anything like that? Yeah. Um, luckily in London, they spoke English and it wasn't too hard to kind of ask for help or figure out where to go. And then in Sweden, um, I'm not sure what the exact year that they started teaching English in school, but there were, um, you can kind of tell the age group that learned English in school and they were good at communicating with you. But the older generations, I, I met some people that didn't speak English at all. And there's um, one time I went into the laundry room, it was my day for laundry, and there's a guy in there who didn't know English. And me and him were trying to communicate. And so I was like signing stuff to him, like holding up the jersey. And I was like, wash it, like trying to show him with my hands. And I was like, put it in the water. It was, um, it was very funny. And he, he and I kind of knew we needed a translator next time <laughs> that we saw each other. But um, it wasn't too much of a language barrier in Sweden. Uh, luckily I had a Google translator on my phone so I would have that out every time I went to the store because I never knew what I was buying or if it was good or not. That's handy. That's handy. And I mean, you grew up in Washington state, right? Little, little bit yeah. out of uh, Seattle and um, Covington. Yes. Yeah. So uh, when you came out to Hawaii, for example, like how, how much of that would have been, you know, an, an adjustment say compared to what you ended up doing for your pro time? Um, I would say going to Hawaii was uh, a lot easier because I have a lot of family in Hawaii and um, they made the transition super easy. I knew I was kind of like making a home away from home and it was a place not too bad of a distance for my family to travel to to watch me play. Whereas overseas, um, I don't know anybody there and I'm, I'm kind of just jumping in the fire and having to meet my teammates um, and make my own kind of group of friends there. Mm -hmm. And so my parents still have yet to watch me play professionally in person. And it's always been a, a goal of mine to try to keep playing until I can um, allow them to see me play overseas and let them see the lifestyle in Europe. So um, it, it's difficult at times and I do get really homesick, especially my first two to three weeks there. But once the games start picking up, then I'm usually, I'm good. Was there any tentative plans for them to come out to, to Europe this year to see you if you guys say advance to the playoffs or anything like that? Or was that kind of like a, just a future, future goal? Um, we've never really talked about it. So it's just been a future goal of mine. Mm -hmm. And I, I, part of me thinks that they're waiting for me to play somewhere sunny, like maybe <laughs> Greece or Spain so that they can like come and vacation there too. But um, maybe one year they'll come. Do you see yourself going, I mean, somewhere different? Is that, is that kind of your goal? I mean, like ratcheting up, say, the ladder of, of leagues until, um, I guess, WNBA would be the ultimate goal? Yeah, uh, it's definitely been a goal of mine to just kind of um, how to make my way up. So uh, this past summer, I've had to kind of um, test different waters with different agents. And uh, it took me a different route. So I'm with a new agency this summer, and it's given me a lot um, better opportunities and different options to play in different countries. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you know, you're a couple, a few years, years removed from your, um, time at UH now. And how do you kind of view, view back at, at that time of your life? Um, you were a four-year player 
finished up as a first team all Big West player your last couple of years were a part of that 2016 NCAA tournament team that ended a long drought for the program as far as getting to the NC2As. So yeah, how do you just kind of look back on those four years of your life? Um, I still see it as such a huge blessing and opportunity for me to be able to experience the tournament um, coming in as a freshman with a huge upper class group and then becoming an upperclassman. Um, like I wouldn't trade my four years here for anything and the relationships that I made here in Hawaii on and off the court, I, I value to the T and um, just this morning I was watching some of our, our UH videos of how they like recap our season and it like parts of it just brought back tears, uh, parts of it brought, brought back laughter and it was just, um, it was so fun to watch and just kind of reminisce a little bit and um, like I can't wait to just, if it's not the full team, but just get a group of us together one day. Do you do you kind of divide up your time here in like different pockets or different like quadrants or whatever? Because I mean, your first couple of years, you're like the up, up and comer and uh, you were a, a supportive player on that NCAA team, uh, started I think a good part of the season. And then the last two was really when you had to kind of, you know, shoulder that load for the entire group. Um, and I think, I mean, obviously you had your best team success during that sophomore year. The, the next two weren't quite as successful as a team, but like I said, that's when you had your, your most personal success, which probably allowed you to have the kind of leap into the pro ranks that, that you had, right. You, you were able to show that yeah. you could be a productive player game after game. Um, so it, do you kind of, do they feel like different little sub eras of, of your time out here or is it all just one <laughs> one thing um a little bit because I think every year had its own challenge and so um kind of having to fill some big shoes my junior and senior year um it made me grow and try to become like the leader that coach Beeman needed and uh, whether it's being a floor general with Tia Canola or just being a hustle player with Bree Harris it um it made me put on different hats, as I can say, for different nights and different years. Mm -hmm. And um, going into the professional world, you definitely have to bring your best self. And um, my dad always said to take it as an interview. So uh, he said each game, take it as an interview. You come in, you introduce yourself, you put down your statement, and you uh, back it up with your conclusion. And having those um, years where I really had to step up in, high, in college, help me prepare my interviews for the professional world so that's okay. that, that's how I kind of see it yeah that's, that's a good analogy I like that um your game was very I think um unique to you in terms of you you were a guard you know you could say shooting guard maybe small forward uh 5'11 uh your game was definitely from the mid-range and in you know you had the the, the mid-range jumper that that was very reliable for you you shot over 50 percent your senior year but you would all, you would be driving relentlessly and get in there with the trees and draw fouls all the time. You had one of the, the most prolific free throw shooting in terms of just attempts uh, seasons in program history. It was right up there. Has that translated to the pro game? Is that still your style out there or has something's changed? Um, kind of the same style and a little bit different. Um, I think in England, I led the season in free throw attempts again. And um my role kind of changed a little bit in Sweden where I was playing a little bit more of the post 
because we were guard heavy. And I knew I wasn't always the tallest out there because you have professional girls who are huge trees. And um, it made me work on my footwork and kind of outsmart them with speed and footwork rather than letting my height be a disadvantage. And so um, I still love the mid-range, still keeping it in my repertoire and working on it. And um, hopefully, uh, it, well, it allowed my coach to let me kind of be able to attack the basket at times, whether he called that play or just play back to the basket. So I think it's helped me broaden my game to uh, not just be an outside-in game, but to also be an inside-out game. And I think the pro world has helped me with that. Sarah, I mean, we've seen like in, in the NBA, for example, that everybody's so much more reliant on the three ball. You know, it's, it's like pace and space. It's spread the floor out as much as you can. Is it, is it the same in the overseas women's game or like just teams like popping way more threes? It doesn't seem that way at all? Uh, a little bit. And you can definitely tell the shooters on the teams and um, the people that you don't want to ever give any room for to get a shot off. And um, it also makes you increase your game because the three-point line is further back than what we had in college and high school. And so it, it kind of makes your game expand even more. Like your mid-range expands that much more. You can uh, come out a little bit further. Um, but their aggressiveness and their tenacity on the court, it's just that style of Europe basketball. And you just want to become a part of it and you want to learn more about it too. Like, do they let players get away with more in terms of physicality? A little bit. It's, it's definitely pretty physical and the feeble rules are a little different. Like you have unsportsmanlike technical fouls, you have technical fouls, and there's a lot of different um, kind of, not a lot, but there's some minor game rules that I had to learn. And luckily I learned it before playing so that I didn't make a fool of myself while playing. Now, your final year at UH, I want to say the last half of the season, you got a really harsh nose injury. Like somebody came down on your nose and you had to wear a mask like the rest of the year. You were like <laughs> that, that masked, you know, uh, heroine on the court, like uh, <laughs> fighting crime or whatever. Um, is there anything like that? Like, is that the last time you ever had to worry about like putting, putting on that face, facial protection? Uh, yeah, luckily I haven't had to wear it since college, but um, I haven't been able to fix my nose yet because I've been so busy with basketball. And so at times, the left side of my nose, like I can't breathe out of it. And then at times, um, like my nose would just run sometimes if I'm working out. So hopefully I'll be able to fix it soon. Um, it's just tough finding the time to fix it with training because mm -hmm. I'll have to take a minimum of like two to three weeks where I can't work out. So I, I definitely don't want to do it close to season. And then now with Corona, it kind of took away my first month where I could have had it done. So you're saying you're, you're one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be 50 and you're still going to have put that, put that thing off. I gotcha. <laughs> um, hey, well, Sarah, you know, you were a multi-sport athlete in high school at Kentwood high. You did, Besides basketball, obviously, you did volleyball, you did track, and I think all four years for all of them, right? Four, four, and four. Um, well, what kind of like what track events were yours? I don't think I ever got a chance to ask you that when you were over here at UH. Um, I did a little bit of everything. Uh, throughout my four years, I did like the 100, the 200, 
four by two, four by four, um, any medley relays or relay race that we did. Sometimes I was the 200 runner, sometimes I'm the 300 runner. Um, I did long jump, high jump, triple jump, 100 hurdles, and 300 hurdles. So almost everything but the throwing events <laughs> is what I did. Why, why no throwing events? I feel like you could probably do some damage with that too. Uh, I think because like, I, I don't know if we're only allowed to do um, a certain amount of, of events per meet, like maybe four. Mm -hmm. So uh, we had our throwers and they could take care of those points. My sister was a thrower. So they're like, we're going to let that Tweena keep the strength and we'll let this Tweena try to jump in a pit. So <laughs> we did our own things at the time. Well, you mentioned one of your sisters. You're, are you the middle of uh, two other two sisters? Yes. Yeah. So I guess so one was at least involved in, in track and field as well. I was going to ask, were they, either of the, your two sisters, involved in sports as much as you were, I guess, or still involved as much as you are? Um, probably not as much. My older sister did track and a little bit of volleyball in high school, but track was her main sport. Uh, she went to the University of Washington for track. Um, like I said, she took all the strength of the family and I took all the height. And so um, after college, she didn't continue with track. She kind of settled down, got married. And so um, we were still always competitive growing up and we still are to this day, whether it's Monopoly or walking the dogs, like we're competitive with everything. And my younger sister, she's only 10. So we're still trying out sports for her, um, but my parents aren't ones to force us to play sports. They said, if you wanna play sports and you pick it up, go ahead, we'll support you as best as we can, but they're not gonna force her to play anything. But she does like basketball, but she hates the running part. So she'll put her cones like one foot apart so that she doesn't have to do too much running. Uh, she likes track but only if they throw for a short amount of time because she thinks they throw too much and her arms get tired. And she does like volleyball, but the ball hurts her arms right now. So she's kind of in between a few sports and we're just gonna support her whether she picks volleyball or just stay in education or go softball, but yeah. Bright future. <laughs> I, th I think she might be following in your footsteps just a little bit uh, <laughs> among those. Um, you've talked about your dad a few times already on this, on this pod. And you, like, you obviously come from a family of athletes. You, your dad, Andrew Toyina grew up here, right? Uh, he, he went to St. Louis. He was a football player, went on to UH as a football player. Your mom, I think also grew up here, right? And she was a volleyball player at UH. Uh, so a fam, a true family of athletes, uh, you know, but your dad specifically, I think stands out as someone who's important to you and your upbringing, especially in basketball. And what was that, bond like over time you you've talked to me about this before but I think for anyone who hasn't heard about it and what made it special and um, how's that that communication now you know when you've been away for so long I I think distance has definitely made us stronger and uh growing up me and my dad would knock heads a lot and it was to a point where if I knew I played bad in a basketball game I did not want to ride home with my dad because He's gonna tell me the truth no matter what. He's gonna tell me what I need to hear rather than what I want to hear. And um, it was to a point where we kind of had to figure out 
uh, the best way to communicate with each other because at the end of the day, he'll always be my father and I'll always be his daughter. And so like, we never wanna create a rocky relationship. And um, in college with the distance and him kind of seeing games online and then seeing games in person, it made um, us have a better father-daughter relationship instead of just being a coach and player. Because growing up, it kind of felt like I was just one of his players and he was just my coach. But in college, it felt like I was gaining my dad back. And um, again, like he would always tell me to just, he would say, take the meat and leave the bones. And so he's like, I'm going to just tell you stuff, but you're going to take what you need and what you're going to invest in your life. And you're just going to leave the bones of what's not going to help you. And um, I'm not sure what year we started it, but even now playing professional, I'll call him before every game, whether it's the night before or the morning of, depending on the time difference. He'll call me down before games because I, I work myself up and I get super excited about it. And he'll say a prayer with me before the game, give me a quick rundown, um, like stay aggressive. You want to play a, a great 40 minutes, like leave everything on the court. And so I look forward to those phone calls just to hear a familiar voice in my head, knowing that hopefully one day I'll hear it in the stands. And, um, and I think we're still building our relationship and we're still – having that father-daughter connection, but I, I am thankful that the distance has made us closer. Yeah, that's, that's great. What, and you mentioned, um, you know, so, saying a prayer with you before games and such. He is a pastor, right? That's, a, that's what he's done. And I think your mom as well, right? Um, yeah. Back, back in Covington, they're both pastors for like 20 plus years, if I recall correctly. And what was that like just growing up in, you know, in that environment of faith and, uh, you and for you and your sisters, I guess, um, having both your parents able to, you know, share that or instill some of that in you guys. Um, I loved it at times and at times I hated it because it would take my dad away from games or, um, like being the selfish daughter. I just wanted my dad to be everywhere. And so <laughs> he couldn't be in two places at once. So I understood that growing up and, uh, growing up in ministry, it, like became my backbone and my immediate family extended to my uh, church family and the support they gave me was amazing growing up uh, cheering me on whether I failed or whether I did good in the game and so um, it was also tough at times because being the pastor's daughter or the pastor's kid we were kind of put on a pedestal and we had the label as this is the pastor's kid like we have to act a certain way. Um, and my dad turned around and was like, my kids aren't perfect. Like they're just like your kids. We're going to make mistakes. And I found it hard at times because I was afraid to make a mistake, knowing that the youth in the ministry are watching my every move. And then um, it came to a point where I was like, you know what? Who cares? If I make a mistake, I'd rather them learn from my mistake and not have to go through that same mistake than me try to put up this perfect image of who Sarah should be. And I think that helped me um, growing up off the court to just be a little bit more mentally stable and uh, not afraid to make a mistake, not afraid to voice my opinion. Um, knowing that even if people are watching, my dad said the same people that talk good on you are the same people that might talk bad on you. So um, at the end of the day, I always have my family 
And if that's all I have, that's all I need. If out of curiosity, and that's, you know, well said, I, I haven't heard you speak about that before. Um, if you weren't doing basketball, what do you think you would be doing right now post-college? Post-college, um, I think I probably would have went the GA route and try to get my master's because I don't think I could not be around sports. Mm -hmm. Like it's been in my life for as long as I can remember. So I'd probably still be around basketball or sports in some way or another. And then maybe dip my toes in a little bit of the marketing aspect. Cause I love stuff that happened behind the scenes so that I know that the job is done. I don't care. Don't give me credit. I'm, I'm fine. So um, I always like the marketing aspect and how they kind of portray teams and athletes. Gotcha. Well, Sarah, I'm, there's no easy way to segue into this. So I'm, I'm not even going to try to make a smooth transition. Um, that there was some recent news in, involving one of your former Hawaii teammates, Shaunale Kuehu, uh, you, who was a mentor of yours, a, like a kind of a, you know, a for, forebear in terms of you coming into the program, somebody to really learn, learn from as you saw her as an upperclassman. You, you were just a true freshman at the time when you came in. And she actually, you know, um, made some headlines out here by coming out among a group of players who went to Punahou School uh, alleging sexual abuse from one of her former assistant coaches there. And, you know, it, it, like I said, it made all the headlines. It was front page kind of news uh, for some, an athlete of her stature to, you know, attach her name to that and, and share her side of the story was really remarkable. Did, how did that strike you? You know, were, were you aware of that right away when, when kind of all those headlines came out? Uh, it was news to me too. And, um, I, I still use Shauna in so many of my interviews and conversations of just how great of an individual she is. Not even a teammate, but just um, how great of a, a mom she is and a friend off the court. It made my freshman year like amazing. I, I could have been traumatized and like a little freshman away from home. I could have hated the process, but she took me under her wing and um, just how she was off the court just commends how she is on the court with how great of a teammate she was to me. Uh, she never took a day off. She never had an excuse. You can see her body breaking down in front of us and how she had to wrap things up just to get her to play throughout the season. It, it made me just like not want to give up. It made me know that there's still some more I can give to the team some more energy I can get to the team and for her to just um, stand up for herself and just be that strong Shauna that she is like we all knew it we all knew how strong of an independent woman she is um, and for her to just take that step of faith and know that she has her her teammates and her her island behind her like really support her to to the end of the day to the end of the years and so um it it kind of broke my heart because playing with her you would have never never guessed she is as strong as it comes and you would never think she has a bad day with how she presents herself do you guys keep in touch to this day you know you're able to bounce some thoughts off her did you have a chance to reach out after all that came out um a little bit here and there at social media uh, but she's always busy like she has Kiona she's working and um stuff like that so I know um her and Ashley Karaitiana are, are still really good friends too 
And I think she's been able to go visit Ashley and play a few games with Ashley back um, where Ashley is. So mm -hmm. it's really mm -hmm. nice to see um, old teammates get together and old friendships just rekindle. Right. Well, Ashley Karaitiana was another mainstay on, on those Hawaii teams that, that you were a part of. Um, also that NCAA tournament era, like, well, I'll ask you about her. I mean, she's one of the other, correct me if I'm wrong. Are you and she the only current former Wahine players in the pros right now, or as far as you know? I, I believe so. I know like Destiny and Connie played one, at least one year. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if they're playing right now. But I believe um, Camila. Oh, Camila is still in the pros? Yeah, I think she's going to Greece. Camila or Jackson? Yeah, Greece or Turkey this year. Um, but I, that's all I know of is us three. Okay, okay. Well, being that I guess there are only a few of you, what's that like, I guess, you know, carrying that mantle, you know, of this is at least something you guys are, are representing together, even if there aren't a lot of you in that community? Uh, I think it's it's amazing. Um, like I'll get on some Zoom calls with AAU teams and you just want to let them know that it, it is possible, whether you come from a big university or a small university for you to play pro. Like it's just the mentality that you have to have is if you want to do it, you got to go do it for yourself and you have to go and get it. And um, to be able to kind of be a mentor to like Jalissa Tago and like Leah Salanoa, um, whether they text me or call me with questions about the professional life. Uh, it's nice to know that I've experienced it and I'm experiencing it to uh, go back and kind of tell them what I went through, tell them what to expect and kind of uh, sometimes a better route to go to play pro. And um, it's also nice just to know that Coach Beeman was always just a text away and we'll text each other every now and then to still have that mentor in my life was good too. Yeah. So, well, you mentioned the the Salonoa twins, right? You actually cut off for for one of them, but I'm assuming you said both of them because I did hear the the Leah Salonoa part. Uh, you were rekindling your teammate. Uh, you guys were teammates again in the Pacific Games uh, last summer, right? In uh, American Samoa or um, West Western Samoa? Was that where the games took place? Yeah, the games were in Western, but we uh, practiced in American Samoa before we went to Western. Okay. Okay. Well, you do share some uh, Samoan background, right? And and yeah. and thus you were able to participate on the uh, the national team, uh, the women's national team in the Pacific Games for American Samoa, along with Lani and Leah Salanoa, your former teammates at UH. So I know you guys took home gold. Uh, mm -hmm. What was that like to, I guess, experience that um, in the middle of a summer, kind of reuniting like that? Uh, it was. It felt like I just saw the twins yesterday with how everything just shot off with each other as soon as we saw each other. And um, our whole team met in the airport. So that's where I saw the twins was when we were flying to American Samoa. And it felt like we were on another road trip with UH. <laughs> like we were just gonna go to California and play two games and come back. Um, but to also play with them and then gain new teammates and friendships with other players it was really, it was really fun in, in a heartbeat. You said you would do it again in a heartbeat. Yes. Nice. And that rotates what every every four years is like the Olympics. I believe so, but I um, because we won gold, we mm -hmm. have I think the Asia Cup qualifiers 
in 2021 in um, October, September, I believe. So I'm not sure if the same team is coming back again or some of us and some new players, but um, I, I did receive word on the 2021 team. So hopefully I'm coming back. <laughs> All right. Because right now you're in your mid-20s, I would imagine, right? Uh, 24, 25 in that neighborhood? Yes. Um, so you've got a, you've got probably a couple more rotations of, of the games <laughs> left, I would, I would think. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, what do you think um, is next, Sarah, like in your, in your basketball journey? And, you know, if and when the leagues start up again, hopefully, ideally, right, with, with COVID still going on. Um, any ideas where uh, where the next step might be? Yes. Um, pertaining on COVID and Corona, I'm not sure if the Europe leagues are going to reopen with just no fans or how they're going to do it. But um, I mentioned earlier, I signed a new agent mm-hmm. and that new agent gave me uh, a few options already. So I've been uh, humbly blessed to have signed earlier than I usually sign. I've usually been signing kind of July, August, and like close to me leaving, which has made my summers a little bit uh, scary because you never know where you're going to go if I'm going to be able to sign somewhere. But um, I was able to sign in May, and I'm going to go to Finland to play for a team. Again, I don't know how to pronounce. (laughs) It starts with a K. Um, And so I'm I'm excited to play in this league, um, another step up and just – dip my toes in Finland. Um, hopefully it goes well. And then be my first time wearing a red Jersey. So I've always been in green or sometimes orange, but yeah, I'm going to the red team. Well, you're going to be well-versed in all the Scandinavian countries when it's all said and done. I think <laughs> yeah. all the, all the Nordic ways you're going to be just, uh, you're going to take to it, I think, but yeah. Well, Sarah, it was a pleasure having you on the Court Sense podcast. Uh, that, I don't know how long we went, 30, 30 40 minutes, maybe, uh, 35 plus. That, that went really fast. I guess I'll, I'll just ask, um, any, <laughs> anything in the immediate days you, you're going to try to knock out in quarantine land uh, before you're free to do whatever you want in Hawaii for, I guess, the rest of the, the summer or however long you're going to stay? Um. I think I'm going to use Uber Eats or DoorDash and get my favorite uh, food from Side Street Inn. It's a good and call. It, yeah. yeah, and it's been my favorite since my visit. And so I'm, I'm going to have to utilize it one night, make sure I work out before it so that I can reward myself with some fried rice and all the good food. But um, that is definitely something I miss about Hawaii when I'm gone is the food here is amazing. All right, Side Street Inn, you hear that? That Consider that your first uh, sponsorship opportunity for this podcast. I'm just putting it out there. Uh, you're getting free pub right now, so let's make it happen. But uh, hey, Sarah Toina, thanks again so much for coming on the podcast. Best of luck in your pro endeavors coming up, and uh, good luck getting through the rest of your quarantine. Yes, thank you so much. Closing with some personal news. This Monday, June 29th, was my last at the Honolulu Star Advertiser. So I was one of 12 laid off by the newspaper, along with my longtime sports colleagues, Cindy Lewis and Nick Abramo. That's something crazy to say out loud. I was there going back to my part-time days as a sports clerk of the Star Bulletin and 
promoted full-time in 07, and it was a wild ride from the get-go with a near layoff as a first- or second-year guy, followed by a merge with the advertiser not long after. Somehow hung on and got to visit some great places, China, Japan, covered NCAA tournament in basketball and an investigation. Got to meet a ton of interesting personalities and a, a ton, ton of cool co-workers that I will definitely take with me wherever I go in spirit. You know, I'll miss it, but look forward to what's next. In the meantime, I intend to keep doing this podcast, so I appreciate all of you who've made it all the way to the end of the pod to hear this, and uh, please keep listening. Maybe one of these days I'll even get a sponsor. Who knows? Take care, everybody. See you next time. Thank you.